Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Jacob Feldman. And I'm Evan Novi williams And this is the Changing the Stink sports business podcast, The Sports Jacob Feldman, excited to be back from vacation. Welcome Thank back. Thank you for keeping the lights on uh, with a great conversation with Julia while I was out. Scott is still out. Uh, good for him for taking a vacation. Uh, it's, it's due time uh, for him, but I'm excited to be back uh, in the U.S., Jacob, and excited to be talking to you uh, and changing the stink uh, for mm. folks who don't get the reference. <laughs> well, it's um, one of those moments where I'm happy that we're recording virtually, because if we were in person, I'd be worried. Did, did I put deodorant on? Am I, am I the stink? What are we referencing here? Is this some sort of, you could have told me ahead of time, but, but no, no, no. We're far away, so that's not what's going on, right? Thankfully, the stink is people who are way bigger than us, uh, <laughs> Jacob. Uh, I got out of the Canadian wilderness, opened Twitter, and all I could see on Tuesday night was clips of people talking about Robert Sala, the coach of the New York Jets, uh, on a hard knocks clip berating his offensive line mm. uh, for struggling after a practice, saying that there's been a stink over the organization for years, and you can have a Hall of Fame quarterback and Aaron Rodgers and really talented running backs and highly paid wide receivers, but none of it matters if, if the big guys up front aren't aren't blocking and, and, and pushing the defensive line in the right ways. Um, and and it, you summed this up on, on, on Sportico perfectly, so I don't want to <laughs> spend too much time summarizing your words when we have you, um, but you said it's, the, it's a perfect example of why fans love hard knocks mm-hmm. and also a perfect example why if you're an athlete a coach or an organization uh, you don't really love the idea of hbo cameras uh, being around your organization in training camp and i thought that was i think you're right on both of those things and i would love mm-hmm. to hear you expand on it yeah no i think i think you nailed it there like you said we're keeping a close eye on hard knocks this year because there's been all this conversation around how much access are they going to get this is obviously a a show that built an entire genre of this behind the scenes docu-series and is it going to be able to survive in this world of limited access in this world where teams themselves are making this kind of content? And so I was, you know, frankly, uh, a little surprised and, and very excited to see this moment come about midway through Tuesday night's episode, because it is something we, we don't see on those other channels. All this other content that we're kind of force fed uh, doesn't include this kind of honest, frank discussion. It's like I said in the story, it's not surprising that the team is recognizing this weakness you you would be shocked if they didn't recognize this one weakness on the roster and it's not surprising that they're speaking the way they did you did a great job summarizing uh what coach Salah said without using the the select words that he seemed to sprinkle in there every every one or two words but edited it yeah yes yeah you did well on that front and and honestly when I sent in the story I wasn't even sure how they were gonna you know fix up this, this quote for publication but they did a good job on that front um 
but it's it's not surprising that's how players and, and coaches talk but it is still something we, we don't see a lot and so getting to see that was was refreshing and then the rest of the episode there wasn't that much more of that there wasn't more behind the scenes there was not much more on the offensive line at all we didn't really hear from the lineman we didn't really hear from the o-line coach we certainly didn't hear from the general manager talking about do we need to bring in a free agent do we need to make a trade do we need to make a move what's our roster going to look like those are discussions going on in press conferences on twitter uh, but not in this show and so i think that's going to be a big challenge for them going forward and we're going to see are, are the jets comfortable with, with this level of access even are they going to pair it back even further given uh you know the, the you know firestorm to some extent around these comments even if they aren't even that surprising it's something we're gonna have to continue to track now uh for the rest of the season do, do you know if you're an organization on hard knocks do you know what kind of any editorial approval you i assume you can tell cameras hey you can't be in the room for this but once something is captured on camera do you have a sense of how much the league or the team let alone even individuals have us have a chance to be like that that doesn't make it into this episode mm-hmm. it's a good question i think it's probably more informal than, than formal my my sense is i'm fairly confident that they don't get final cut say especially yeah. because as you know with hard knocks these things are being made up until the last minute so it's not even really practical to have the team review foot inch by inch you know i i I think this is what I'm saying, like, you know, Hard Knocks decided to show this clip, and, and that's probably going to change the way players and, and coaches, you know, the, the cameramen have to go back the next day to practice. They're, they're there today, Wednesday. So that that is probably more where, where these kinds of things are being mediated and discussed more than after the fact, more than between when the moment happens and when it airs, which I'm guessing is more in NFL films as in HBO's hands. So I actually, we did an event in L.A. Uh, a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I moderated a panel with Sean McVay, the coach of the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams were on COVID uh, two years ago, maybe three years ago, when, when mm-hmm. Sean was the coach. And I asked him, hey, why is it that, that nobody seems to <laughs> right, want to do popular, this? It's popular. People watch it. You, you become fans it, of these players. Sure. And it seems like it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice marketing advantage for your right. team in mm-hmm. some ways, right? And we can get into that. Um, yeah. He had an, he, he essentially said three things. He mm-hmm. said, number one, um, every NFL team is, is hypersensitive about competitive advantage. Right. And we don't want a single throwaway clip to have mm-hmm. some kind of a cadence or a, a, a play call or a personnel alignment. Yeah, there's plenty that of people trying to grab a screen grab of, of you know, a, a roster 100%. in the background or anything like that. Yeah. So that was his first answer. He's like, it just having hard knocks increases the, op- the opportunity <laughs> for opponents mm-hmm. to find something about your team that you, that you don't want them to know. That makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing he said is that he wondered and, and worried about, with a camera in the room, are, mm-hmm. are, are any interactions authentic? Yeah, and that what, I thought was I, the most interesting point. It's something I, had, I don't hear as yeah. often, but go ahead. Yeah, so, so and we, we can dive into that. There's mm-hmm. a third one which we can get into later. But yeah, essentially <laughs> he was like, I, if I'm cutting a player, I don't want... I don't want to worry that like I'm not doing the right thing mm-hmm. by me or, or by him because I know there's cameras rolling. And I, I wonder if there was no camera there, is Robert, is that a yep. different speech that mm. he's giving? Is, Slightly, is he it has something? to be, right? I mean, having a camera in your face changes your behavior, whether you're conscious of it or not, to some degree, right? And even just on a larger scale, you know, these training camps are getting shorter and shorter with each CBA. And, you know, coaches talk all the time about bonding and and teamwork and getting these teams on the same page. And you could definitely see that getting disrupted, even, you know, just knowing that a player is is mic'd up and and that's going to affect how everyone else is kind of talking around them. And and you're not going to be as honest. And I think that's that's something that I, again, frankly, had not really thought too much about. But now that once Coach McVay said that it hit something in my mind as I'm watching this season. 
it's it's funny to me then that we're 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 talking about these shows and Hard Knocks and all these other docu series as kind of mm-hmm. the unfiltered behind the scenes look, <laughs> and then the people yeah. who are in them are worrying that they're not unfiltered and that they're too filtered <laughs> yes, for what the right. reality. Well, there's a whole there's a whole media is. studies PhD in there on what reality <laughs> is and what we see through the, our screens. But exactly. don't have time for that today. Yeah, exactly. And then I want to get into the third thing because there's something Please. you mentioned right at the top of the show. Um, the the Rams are doing. Uh, through their own in-house content studio, a, mm-hmm. a probably lighter version of, mm-hmm. of of a hard knock style. It's called Behind the Grind. Mm-hmm. It's their own cameras giving fans ra- fans of the Rams a chance to peek behind the curtain at at things that are going on at training camp and in other places. Um, and Sean mentioned the final cut thing and saying, mm-hmm. "Look, this is why I love what we're doing in-house because." I don't have to worry about, again, a, a competitive advantage thing. They catch something on camera. I know I can go to our guys and get that out, um, which I thought was an interesting third thing. And and, and that seems, you mentioned the in-house studio stuff. Mm-hmm. That seems like it is maybe a future to some degree here, right? As yeah. as a product like, like Hard Knocks, which is, as we said, extremely popular among a lot of NFL fans. As a league like the NFL struggles to have a single team willing to raise its hand to participate in that, mm-hmm. I do wonder if we're going to get into more of what we're seeing in the documentary world, right? Which mm-hmm. is the the participation of the subject in the actual documentary right. making process. If that's the future of a lot of this, well, for better or worse, for fans, we're already seeing that in the NFL. Quarterback, this big show on Netflix, reached yep. number one on the service. Patrick Mahomes is one of the executive producers of that show. He's one of the subjects of that show. So it's the NFL Films is already making that decision that okay. So Sometimes we're going to have to cut these people in t- on that process to some degree. I- I'm watching Hard Knocks, and I'm I'm getting the sense that whether it's next year or in the future, this show is going to have to expand beyond one team because it, the teams just aren't giving you enough. And so it, it's a great episode to, to focus on Aaron Rodgers, but it's not a season. It's a great 15 minutes to go and, and see where Sauce Gardner came from and his college and his family. But they're not giving you the full arc now and enough behind-the-scenes stuff to, to, to last a season. So I'm getting the sense we're just going to get more of those. like. And you can call them puff pieces. They are still journalism, and, and, and Hard Knocks is doing this stuff better than anybody else. So to say that you know Hard Knocks is the same as what these teams are doing is kind of a disservice to what Hard Knocks Agreed. does. Because yeah. even I mean, last night there's you know a, a 90 second kind of montage of, of it raining at, at Panthers practice. And I'm like, wow, like I'm ready for football season. Like you know, put, <laughs> I've never put pads on in my life, but I would like to go out there and, and hit a sled in the rain right now. So so Hard Knocks is special, and and I think it still can survive if it recognizes kind of what it's good at but it's it's not going to be what, what it had been for that exact reason that teams now can do this themselves and say we don't need to bring these other cameras in uh, all, almost all of the, the top teams the eagles have a great in-house video department the chiefs the cowboys obviously uh, and they can kind of show you those more profile type mini movies uh, and get you connected with the players without uh, for better or worse, you know, showing what's actually going on uh, inside a football team. One of the things that also stands out to me about Hard Knocks, um, which I think is so effective, is the fact that the distance between that event happening and it airing to the public mm-hmm. is actually fairly small. It's and, miraculous. And so, many, yeah. so many of these other, you and I have talked about the Tour de France documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix, which I loved. Mm-hmm. That aired 11 year, and a half months yep. after... The events were happening. And yeah. one of the actual frustrating things about it is that I, I watched it with my partner and she, we'd watch an episode and she'd be like, oh, Fabio Jakobsen, like, how's he doing this year? And I was like, oh, he crashed out a week ago right. of the current tour. 
right. and you're watching, or, or it even worse, two episodes in, months ago, you're googling somebody to see where they're from, and all of a sudden you find out what happens to them, and it's like exactly, okay, well, yeah, now, yeah. Now the drama's gone. So and, and so many of these other full swing, the tennis mm-hmm. one to a degree, they they, they vary the in the yeah. time, but the ability, I think, of Hard Knocks for you to see this mm-hmm. thing and be like, oh, this happened a couple weeks ago or a week ago, <laughs> however long the actual gap is. Yeah, two days. Um, yeah. And it makes it so easy, I think, for, for fans of the sport to be like, oh, I, if you're a Jets fan, I think you maybe remember that that joint practice with the with, with mm-hmm. the Panthers when the O-line was really struggling. <laughs> um, and that seems incredibly valuable to me. And again, it, it does make me sad if this is kind of a dying art in some ways, or if there's just fatigue about, and, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a good transition because the, the, the sport docu-series has been one of the big sports media trend stories of the past 18 months yeah um and i personally am feeling a bit of fatigue about the Mm -hmm. about the concept of them but i'm curious (laughs) if you are seeing that quarterback you just said was number one on netflix in in Mm -hmm. the u.s right so Mm -hmm. obviously a tremendous success for 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 netflix and probably all three of the quarterbacks that were featured there but (laughs) right but do you see fatigue here and 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 is 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 in-house production the way around that is it athlete-led production What, what do you think is the is the solution there Fatigue is a. I think it's more understanding of the ceiling here. Not everything is going to be drive to survive. Not every sport is going to get the same bump that F one got. And I've. I think I've been fairly consistent in saying the growth of F one. You know, maybe the Netflix show was necessary for it, but was not sufficient. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's a lot in terms of it was a you know a crazy year and competition uh, between the two top teams, Red Bull and, and, and Lewis Hamilton, that was driving a lot of that narrative. There's a, there's a lot going on. You can't just bring in a camera behind the scenes and all of a sudden your sport is you know a worldwide sensation. So I think that is a big part of it. I, I, I feel, I guess, a little differently than you. I, I'm still hungry. We were going back to cycling like that was something that wasn't really on my radar. Um, I, I checked it out. I loved it. I watched probably 40 hours of Tour de France coverage over the next month. Um, I, I don't know. I personally just, uh, today, Wednesday, Netflix announced they're going to do one on, uh, sprinters, uh, around the world. Um, love that. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll watch that next year. We'll watch people in Jamaica and Italy and the U S uh, people who are 19, 20, trying to achieve their dreams, overcoming injuries. There's, there's if you have, I mean, it's super simple, but if you have a compelling story, compelling characters, I think there's still a lot more demand for this stuff, especially for these sports that we're not already inundated with, with coverage of and even in the nfl uh, the big question for me uh i think it's going to come out next year is, is this cowboys documentary that netflix paid something on the order of 50 million dollars for um and, and that's going to really i think be a big proving point for this genre is that really going to be you know is it going to be the last dance the cowboys are as big we as we say every year when the valuations come out the biggest brand in sports in the world um are, are people really interested enough to watch several hours on a team from from 30 years ago much less one year ago uh so we'll see i I still think there's a lot of demand there if you can find the right people the right story and the right access to tell the story i've told this story on the podcast but i'm pulling a scott here by retelling a story (laughs) but i think it was long enough ago that maybe some of our listeners haven't heard it but the best piece of behind the scenes sports content i think i've ever seen was at this point maybe eight years ago when one of the daniel cormier john jones ufc Mm. fights was canceled because John Jones had failed a drug test, mm-hmm. they had cameras behind Dana White when he went into Daniel's camp and told him mm-hmm. the fight was off because John had failed another test. And Cormier breaks down in tears immediately. Mm-hmm. And he ends up hugging uh, Dana White. <laughs> they have this very tender moment 
Yeah. Where Dana's like, this sucks and it's not your fault. And you just see all of the work that Cormier had put in. And this is one of the baddest mans on the planet, right? This is mm-hmm. a huge f- fighting force. Um, it's, it's amazing. And it gave me... Um, and that's an perfect proof of what these shows can do, right? 100%. If you, if you capture the moment, the, that, that, there's no fatigue for moments like that. Yeah, and, but but there is, again, going back to what we're talking about, I, I do think that I, don't, I have no idea how Daniel feels about this, but th- mm-hmm. there is, athletes don't really want to seem vulnerable in those situations, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. another one that you and I talk about a that's lot, true. I think everyone does, is when Sam Darnold said he was seeing ghosts right. during that, that was a primetime sure. game, mm-hmm. like, football, that is a moment where it's so compelling for fans. You're seeing it essentially in real time because it was it was caught during the game and aired during the during the Jets game. Right. But there were changes, from what I understand, there were changes made after that to make sure that an athlete couldn't get embarrassed like that when he was mic'd up. Mm-hmm. Again, and, and and that to me is the hardest part here is that there is this push and pull between exactly the thing that fans want is also seems to be exactly the thing that athletes and, and teams and leagues <laughs> don't want to provide to fans. Right. I think there will always be enough athletes or leagues that want more attention and are willing to turn over access to, to get it. And, and that's basically the position F1 was in. As, as everyone remembers, you know, the top teams didn't participate that first year, but once they saw you know, the impact, then they got on board. And, and so I I, th- I still think that you're right. We weren't, we're not going to see the top athletes totally raw uh, all the time. Uh, you think about like the Tom versus Time documentary with Tom Brady, that wasn't as uh, elucidating mm-hmm. as, as some other yeah. stuff is. So it, it is kind of that spectrum of the more famous somebody is, the less access you're going to get. Uh, and it's just a matter of kind of hitting that, that threshold on, on, the, on the graph there to, to, to reach that interesting level. And I do think, you know, maybe not fatigue, but I do think there's a skepticism each time these shows come out. It's kind of like a prove it to me that this isn't just PR. This isn't this is going to be worth my time. I'm going to actually learn something. Um, and, and, and shows need to match that or, or, or answer that skepticism to, to break through these days. Okay, so let's let's move on. New topic. You put on Twitter last week soliciting questions for uh, for, for when you were on the Sportacast this week. I, I had mm-hmm. one that I know you and Julia didn't get to get to on Monday, mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask it to you now. MLS, um, a, a golden goose, a goat, if you will, <laughs> fell into MLS lap golden in the middle goat, of this yeah. season. Uh, Leo Messi has been lighting it up in the in the League's Cup for Inter Miami, about to start playing in MLS. I'm curious how you would grade or, or, or what you think MLS has done well, maybe what they what you think they could have improved on in terms of capitalizing on the absolute sensation that is Leo Messi uh, coming to play in the U.S. Uh, for for Inter Miami. I would say overall they've exceeded my expectations. Probably, I, I think I would you know I'd give them. You know, probably an A minus or something. If I, if I had to give them a grade for for how this has has gone, um, and I think the Apple deal is a big part of this, and 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 the biggest thing I think they could have done and and have done is just get this everywhere. You know, they they and, and this is a benefit of the Apple deal too. Is the 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 highlights aren't geo blocked like a lot of soccer highlights are. They're they're going yeah. worldwide. They're on everywhere. You can see it. Um, Apple TV, the the platform has kind of turned into a billboard for MLS and, and Messi. They they've pushed that. I, you know, they can't push that any harder than they're pushing it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm getting notifications. You know, I I think they're. I'm sure within MLS, there's more that they, you know, wish they were doing or could do. You look at you know the Apple stores themselves. Could they somehow get some sort of you know real estate impact here? Um, you know, I, I don't know what Times Square looks like. I'm sure they're doing stuff. Uh, you can always you know do more marketing, but I think they've done. Uh, a substantial amount. I haven't looked at, you know, search trends or things like that, but 
for anybody who, who wasn't aware of, of what Miami is or because I think that was the I mean, there's a lot of sports fans in America that could not tell you Inter-Miami existed, right, two months ago. I, I'm guessing that number is very, very small at this point. And that, I think, had to be the goal a month in. And we, we can kind of get into, like, the, the, the revenue side of it and, and ticket sales and shirts and stuff. But for me, if I was approaching this opportunity, I'm not looking at this year. I, this year, to me, is all about awareness. It's about building the, the system, the foundation, the expectation. And, and then I think you can worry about revenue down the line once these people are fans or once people are committed to following this team, this league, this sport. Um, but right now, it's just getting it out there and, and getting as many people aware as possible. Yeah, I do wonder how uh, – I, I do think the manner in which you get awareness does matter a, a little bit. And, and you mentioned the highlights in there. And uh, you can you can watch every Messi goal for free mm-hmm. 90 seconds after <laughs> it's scored, maybe even less. Um, mm-hmm. the, the league has done – I think you're right. They've done a great job of, of pushing that out, making it available immediately. There does, to me, at least seem to be a, a double – another edge to that sword in some ways – where I do wonder if there's people out there who are maybe would have paid for for the Apple product to watch mm. Messi, who are now like, oh, I could just be on Twitter during an Inter Miami <laughs> game, and the I, I wrote something about this for Sportico mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, but I, I, when Messi scored that free kick goal in his first match, which was a one of the most shocking, amazing <laughs> actual on-field sporting events I think I've I've yeah. watched live. Um, I was getting texts about that from people who were not watching it live, but we all right. reacted together, right? The, <laughs> yeah. the gap mm-hmm. between me watching live and having my mind blown and, <laughs> and a friend of mine watching on Twitter and having his mind blown was so incredibly small mm-hmm. that it felt almost meaningless in some ways. <laughs> and, I, and I do wonder if, if, you're, if you're conditioning people to, to get the messy experience at zero cost um, to to them and at, at relatively small uh, revenue for the league or for Inter-Miami, if at some point you do run the risk of, of, of actually not capitalizing to the full extent of you might have if you had decided to do something differently. Yeah, it's a funneling question, right? Are you trying to attract the people who would love to watch Messi but don't know they would love to watch Messi? Or are you trying to attract people who know they want to watch Messi but don't know if they want to pay for Apple TV? Yes. So yeah. if you're trying to get this, I, I would go after that first audience because it's a lot bigger, right? People who are sports fans who in July and August, there's not that much on if you're not dedicated to baseball every day. And, and you're saying, hey, there's an amazing thing happening in soccer like twice a week. Um, and, and we know you're not going to spend the money or download the apps to watch it ahead of time, but here's what you missed and you missed it again. And on Thursday, you don't have to miss it. You, you can be there. Um, and so that, that would be my, my progression. And I think that's the path they're taking and, and we'll see over time, you know, how much they're maybe limiting the highlights or, or, or delaying them or what have you. But I, I, again, that to me is a discussion to be having next year, not next week. And, and, and the other thing they are doing is, you know, they announced another, they're going to have, I think two separate kind of behind the scenes, going back to our first conversation, docu-series following Messi one um, during the yeah. World Cup and one during this MLS season. So th- it's just, it's going to be, you don't, you're not, I would not be hoarding, you know, Messi. I, I would be sharing Messi and, and then yeah. I'd be figuring out how to, how to work from there. Yeah, it's like a question of whether whether you think of free highlights as a marketing tool or, mm-hmm. a, or a business driving tool. And, and, and mm-hmm. to be clear, essentially every sport 
in the U.S. at least, has, has taken the former approach for the past 10 years. Or been dragged um, there eventually. Or, or been, yeah. been dragged there, yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and maybe that changes at some point. One, mm-hmm. Another thing that, that, that kind of stuck out to me, and, and, and I didn't look at this much past his first couple games, but mm-hmm. Apple, at least on a lot of social media, seemed to be deferring a lot of this to MLS. Uh, so, so to use the example of, of Messi's free kick goal, mm-hmm. Apple didn't tweet about that at all. Mm-hmm. They, they retweeted MLS's tweet. <laughs> they seem to be giving, essentially allowing the league to control, disseminate those Apple highlights in the way that it wanted to and maybe boosting them when it could. Uh, but yeah. that surprised me because I'm used to in other leagues, I feel like there's something big happens and then immediately it's like the league and the partner on their own channels are both pushing the same thing. They both have rights to it, obviously. Right. Um, and there seems to be either by Apple's, I, I doubt this is in the contract, but mm-hmm. unwillingness, disinterest, or their deferral to MLS. This relationship actually seems like it is um, really just MLS controlling and disseminating as opposed to both of them kind of doing either competing against each other or just amplifying each other in some different way yeah that's a fascinating distinction to notice thing to track like i'm even just wondering you know how many mls highlights espn tweeted last year compared to apple tv mm-hmm. i'd be interested to look to look at the difference and, and i think it gets to i mean the, the structure of this deal is very different than, than most media deals and it's you know it's a conversation we can have um you know it's obviously something that came up around, around the pac-12 but a conversation we could have about MLS owns this product a lot more than they than most leagues own their media. I mean, they're they're uh, in a lot of cases producing the, this content. They're distributing it with Apple, but it, it's an MLS product, and and I'm guessing MLS likes it that way. That this kind of gives them, I don't know about leverage, but control to some degree. Um, and and you know, as as you build up those marketing channels, because they also care about ticketing and, and merchandise and some things that Apple maybe doesn't care about. So who owns that fan relationship, I think is a really fascinating distinction as we kind of evolve this media uh, situation. It does kind of make me want, I think if you're a sports league and you partner with ESPN, the, mm-hmm. one of the main things you want is the ancillary the promotionary yeah. megaphone things. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a sports league and you partner with Apple, mm-hmm. I think the the megaphone looks a little different, right? It's, yeah, it's totally. Put the stadiums on Apple Maps. It's <laughs> Apple right. Music and Apple Podcasting, Podcast, maybe yeah. a little of Apple News mm-hmm. uh, boosting, depending on where someone is reading and, and who their local MLS team is. It mm-hmm. does make me wonder if, yeah, in some ways, if... If depending on who your partner is, the the way in which you want them, in addition to showing live games, the way in which you want them promoting what you guys are doing probably varies dramatically by who who that partner is that's sitting across the table from you. Yeah, and I, I think it's also just how fandom is evolving. You know, people are going to follow MLS; they're not going to follow ESPN. I, I, am I? You know, I think people are fa- fans of one rather than the other. It's it's the way these platforms work. It's it's a really big conversation. Um, and it's interesting to, to see it evolve, but I, I like the idea of, of leagues owning this content as much as they can. So, so my theory on the, just to go back to the highlights for, highlights mm-hmm. for a second, mm-hmm. I envision this future where the end, let's just say the NBA, the NBA goes to its right. TV partners and is like, look, this new round of TV deals, um, you're not allowed to tweet these highlights within 30 minutes of them happening. Mm-hmm. And the NBA also saying, we're probably not going to do this either. And seeing if they can sell a, Flash highlight package, right? Um, where there's a single Twitter account, there's a single news organization that gets the ability to, across all of its channels, own all these things. So when LeBron has a crazy dunk on a TNT game, 
Um, there, there may be someone else that's allowed exclusive access to that highlight for a certain amount of time before NBA.com and, and, and TNT and Turner decide to do all of their things with it. Um, is that, when you hear that idea, is that an insane idea? <laughs> is, that, is, is that maybe a, a, a potential future? Um, am, I, am I missing something big there? I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. I, I think it gets to this foundational question that y- you identified of just what is the purpose of these things? And, and to me, I mean, these things being highlights, these things being sports teams, like the, 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 the incremental revenue you're getting from, from that is not worth the risk of turning people off from being aware of your content, of being fans of your, your teams and leagues and, and athletes. And uh, that's how I feel about a lot of decisions that these teams are making is I would be thinking on a five-year, 25-year horizon, not, not a one, three-year uh, you know, what does this deal look like? And I also think there's a practicality element of it of, okay, if, if you know, all of a sudden you're going to have to be like policing everybody's feeds and, and taking stuff down and then you look like the bad guy and people are just trying to be fans. And it just, I think it gets messy pretty quick too, uh, with a Y, not an I. Um, <laughs> so that that would be my, my pushback to it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, the, the One of the biggest, it may even have been the biggest, when I look back at all those, again, going back to that first free kick, because I, I did mm-hmm. a lot of research around that one, I believe the Bleacher Report tweet, mm-hmm. which used the MLS video, and, and I, I don't know what proper citation is, but made it clear that it had taken <laughs> the video from MLS. Right, I believe that, that got more impressions, I think, than the actual MLS itself mm-hmm. video did even though it's the same video and right. there was some attribution there mm-hmm. um, but it, but that it kind of made me wonder if if in a world where only bleacher had that initial video and sure mm-hmm. there's going to be people pirating it but mm-hmm. that video is going to in my opinion going to spread around the internet immediately anyway right like people are just going to mm-hmm. retweet the bleacher report one and then that becomes the one everybody's sharing and i do and wonder bleacher if we're selling uh, like ads on that how like what, what is bleacher report getting out of that sure or yeah. they're getting uh, a, a, a huge following base who, who understands that like when something big happens in these games, like that's where mm-hmm. I'm going to get to see it first. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Again, I, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I do, yeah. it does feel like the, so much of the media experience has been monetized by sports teams and monetized extremely effectively by leagues like the NBA and the NFL. Yeah. And then this one feels like it is something that is kind <laughs> of in this weird nether region. Of, it's beautiful. It's utopian. It's competition. I, it's like, I, <laughs> how quickly can I get this video out? How high quality can I do it? I, I, I want to be known for my curating of, of if, if you wanted the best sports moments, it's here. I and mean, people built entire businesses on this. And, and I would, I would hate to, to kind of lose, lose all that. To be clear, yeah, I think uh, if this does become a reality, I do think it will be. It may be worse for uh, for, for sports <laughs> fans out there. Um, before yeah. before we go, Jacob, uh, we're getting to the end of the Women's World Cup. Two teams mm-hmm. left uh, as we record this: England and Spain mm-hmm. meeting in the World Cup final. You were in Australia a few yeah. weeks ago. Got to go to a few Women's World Cup games. I would love to hear your thoughts as someone who's been to sporting events in in the U.S. quite a bit. Um, how any anything you took away from the on-the-ground experience at the World Cup this year. Sure, sure. Well, first off, I'm glad we're discussing this because I'm going to, after this podcast ends, I'm going to go and expense uh, my trip to Australia. So this is perfect. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, appreciate, appreciate that. Uh, no, it was, it was a ton of fun. You know, I hadn't been to a previous Women's World Cup. I haven't been to a Men's World Cup, so points of comparison are, are somewhat limited. But I was pretty impressed. The stadiums were full to both games I went to, neither of which featured Australia or was really a marquee game you know the first one was germany morocco second one was panama france and sydney um 
I, I, we spent several nights at the fan zone, which, which I was pretty impressed by again, where you could watch all the games. A lot of Colombian fans there, a lot more Colombian Australians than I had realized. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, you could you could tell that there was a big event happening, which I think is really cool for a women's World Cup and, and bodes well for for the future of these events, both in terms of, you know, I think people are going to want to host this and, and also in terms of where the sport is headed. Certainly it helps, I think, to, at least after you left, it helped to have the, the Australian <laughs> team make a deep run. I think that's... Of course, uh, that's, I think that that's the it, biggest, a, a big biggest thing at well. all, yeah. And just to bring this more centric to the, to the U.S. for a second, mm-hmm. um, NWSL obviously experiencing a ton of commercial growth. The Red Stars earlier this week uh, are, are about to sell to a group led by uh, by Laura Ricketts for, for $35.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, NWSL had a lot of players in the World Cup, Concentrated largely on the U.S., Canada, and Brazilian teams, uh, mm-hmm. none of whom I think uh, performed up to the expectations right. of yeah, themselves or, the, or their fans. Um, but it will be interesting to me to see what the what the kind of result is for the domestic league here in the U.S. Uh, when when typically you have a U.S. team that's coming back with a bit of hardware, <laughs> right, and, and, right? And they are and doing a, sens- a tour and a whole media thing. Media sensation. Uh, it's going to be a very different vibe for mm-hmm. those U.S. players coming back to N- NWSL this year. And also just the fact that if you were an avid fan of women's soccer and were following this tournament, there's not a ton of NWSL players that were playing deep into it again, mm-hmm. which is a, a huge departure from even what it was like, uh, what it was like four years ago. And so I I'm, think I'm even, curious. Even more that, concerning, even more concerning is that this final England and Spain, those are the two biggest competitors for in terms of domestic leagues uh, to what we have here. Right. So, on, on the one hand, there's disappointment here and there's lack of enthusiasm. And on the other hand, those countries are both, you know, which, which everyone wins especially, but I think both of them are, are going to see a dramatic boost. We saw even, you know, I think just in the last year, 18 months, the benefit in England of, of the Euros run they made uh, and, and kind of the impact that it had across Europe as well. I, I think, you know, an England win is probably worst case scenario for, for U.S. soccer, mm. I, w- I would have to imagine. Um, but either way, I mean, Spain has been investing in this area as long as anybody as well. So, um, it's going to be very interesting to watch over these next couple of years, how the NWSL, how American soccer regroups, reinvests. And, and honestly, I think in the long term, it could be good for, for the state of, of U.S. soccer. You know, I think things felt even going into the World Cup a little unstable, a little rickety. I think you could see kind of signs of, okay, maybe we need to go back and address some things. And if they had won and if, you know, they, you know, they had, some of these older players that had kind of the going out party that they expected, uh, maybe that would have covered up some of the deeper issues that, that we, we have uh, around the sport, around investment, around uh, youth levels. And, and so maybe this can kind of push us forward again for another run like we've had the last 10 years. Uh, and especially what's going on in England uh, and, and Spain is, is re- reason for uh, investment as well. Scott and I talked with Haley Rosen, the, the, mm-hmm. the founder of Just Women Sports, a few weeks ago about this exact topic, about mm-hmm. the, 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 the rise of talent and money swirling around in, in, in European women's club soccer and what that means yeah. for the, the, the dominance that the NWSL has had. Uh, European women's pro soccer has no salary cap. <laughs> and the NWSL does, right? A mm-hmm. huge difference. Another big difference, the NWSL, like American soccer leagues, plays starts in the spring and ends in the fall. Right. And pretty much every European league <laughs> does the opposite, starts in the fall mm-hmm. and ends in the spring, which creates a very weird overlap of transfer windows and players who are mo- thinking about moving from one to the other or, or back mm-hmm. from, from Europe back to the U.S., whatever it is. Um, I would expect there to be some changes 
both around salary cap and scheduling in the next few years as and- the, the, the major leagues or the major continental <laughs> groups yeah. start to realize that maybe aligning a bit is going to make it better for fans, make it better for players, make mm-hmm. it better uh, for, for themselves as well. But I'm fascinated by the, the women's soccer, the, the, the business growth they're seeing yeah. and the role that a, that a brand like a Chelsea, we talked about this with Haley That's, as I'm well. Glad, I'm glad the, you mentioned the this. The role that Chelsea and Man United have. It brings it all back together, brands. right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they have these massive international followings and, and they can push these highlights and they can turn these players into stars because they've developed these kind of relationships with fans is something that uh, I'm sure every American owner is, is envious of. Jacob, this has been uh, very fun. Maybe uh, Scott will get stuck in Dubrovnik for another week, and we will get to run this back. We'll get to run this back next week. Uh, he is Jacob Feldman on Twitter at Jacob Feldman Four. I am Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. Sportacast is produced by Keith Zanardi and Aaron Greenewald. Thank you to both of them. Sportico's digital media editor Cora Veltman would like you to know that you can follow the Sportacast at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.